Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to supply chain management, resilience, business continuity, well-being, COVID, anything that can help you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Alternatively, you can find me at alexfullick.com, and we'll see about getting you on the show. Longtime listeners and viewers will know that I've talked about BCI World uh, and, and BCI Horizons conference last year in 2021, and that I hoped I could get some of those speakers to come on the show. Today, I am lucky enough to have that. Uh, one of those speakers, come back on the show for his third appearance, believe it or not. Speaking on the topic of facing the future together with your business partners, minimizing the impact of cyber attacks, I'd like to welcome back for his third appearance, Willie Fabricius. Willie, welcome back. Great to see you. Alex, thank you. Thank you very much for having me back the third time to, to this uh, show. And... Um, yeah, I'm looking really forward to, to another very interesting uh, discussion, uh, oh. helping the, uh, the listeners to, you know, broaden their knowledge and experience and bring it back to their organizations and uh, communities. It, it's going to be an interesting uh, talk because, as I mentioned before we started recording, what you're going to touch on is something I haven't had the opportunity to talk about before. So this is going to be new for me, too. Uh, now, I, I mentioned that you've been here uh, for the third time now. Uh, just in case anybody you know, made the mistake of not hearing your first or second appearance, could you take a minute or two and just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? And Sure. Um, I'm in third-party auditing uh, for the last 25 years. So uh, I started as an uh, auditor for quality management systems, but my educational background is actually computer science. So I uh, went very, very fast and quickly into uh, auditing to information security standards and later on into business continuity standards like ISO 27001, ISO 22301. Uh, but in last couple of years, of, uh, I've been in uh, obviously management positions and um, I'm now with SGS, um, uh, Swiss-based company, uh, which is the largest tech company in the world, test inspection certification company in the world. Uh, and there I'm the uh, global head for strategy and business development in the knowledge solution stream. Well, welcome back. I'm glad Thank to you. have you here. Now, as I mentioned, as I was introducing you, we're going to talk about something that I'm not clear on, uh, uh, minimizing the impact of cyber attacks. But one of the first pieces you're going to talk about is digital supply chain. So my first question, 
what's the difference between supply chain management and digital supply chains? Alex, I'm, I'm very glad to, that you asked because in my, let's say, daily conversations, I recognize that a lot of people are focusing on, let's say, the traditional supply chain. You know, you, you have a product, you have a bill of material that says screws, bolts, nuts, plastic components, whatever. Coming together, they are obviously then forming the product. And, and that's obviously the traditional view. But there is something else in terms of digital supply chain as in companies relying upon suppliers to provide digital assets for their products. For example, the software that is running on those components. <coughs> Excuse me. That's one component of digital supply chain, right? So where we have a product that is incorporating all kinds of other features, for example, software components that come from outside the organization. But there is also the digital supply chain in terms of the connections we have with our suppliers in order to deliver our products or services. For example, we are using Zoom right now. Mm -hmm. What is Zoom? Zoom is a software company or a company that provides a communication platform. Well, without Zoom, you and I would be not able to, to have this, this meeting right now, besides having you know, some alternative solutions. But right. Zoom is obviously now a digital supplier to you because, well, you rely upon them. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you look at you know, how websites, for example, are being built and created, they rely upon all kinds of uh, connections. They are relying upon uh, CDNs, uh, content delivery networks. Um, you know, at the end of the day, a modern company relies upon so many suppliers that are providing a service in digital form that is not necessarily, you know, filling into that traditional thinking of a supply chain. So I hope this answers the question a little bit. It does. And I've got a question about that. Would that be also include things like payroll solutions? You know, somebody, it, I'm, I'm sending, you know, digital files and payroll files over to a financial institution and they're dispersing funds. Would it include that kind of thing too? Absolutely. Um, I mean, for example, as I mentioned earlier, we, we are the largest ticket company in the world. And as such, you can imagine that we have a very robust hiring process that includes uh, candidates uh, applying for a job, uploading their resumes, and so on and so forth. This software is not hosted by SGS. We are just buying a license to use it on a seat-by-seat -seat base. And that is another example of digital supply chain. All those SaaS providers, software as a service solution, all those SaaS providers are in reality suppliers of you. And the question is, how secure are they? How, how much reliance do you have on them to, in order to deliver your services? You mentioned payroll. If your payroll provider is down for whatever reason, you are in trouble because you have the obligation to pay your employees. Mm -hmm. And th that has consequences in terms of resilience, in terms of uh, impact, 
to the organization themselves. So the, the question comes to mind, how do you know? What kind of assurance do you have that your digital supply base, your supply, digital supply chain is reliable and doesn't let you down? Well, how do you take into account, you know, sometimes you're buying one product, but, uh, um, or no, I shouldn't say product, one digital service, one digital service. However, different parts of your organization use different components of that. Does the, let's say four departments, are you doing four, is that four, considered four different supply chains or, or one? Um, because everyone's got their own way of accessing, they may all have different Sing, uh, points of contact and people they talk to both back and forth. So how, how do you manage something like that? No, I, I think it should be really a holistic approach. Uh, you know, it, it, it really is a potentially affecting the entire organization. So in, in large organizations, it's really advisable to have, uh, you know, one assessment. Um, and may I also add continual assessments because you know, just because that organization was reliable last year does not necessarily mean that they are still reliable today. Um, I mean, let, let, let's face it, uh, this is not our first attempt to record this. We, we had an attempt shortly before Christmas as well, and somehow it didn't work out. Uh, and, and we both said, you know what, let's call it a year and, and start again in January. But this is just an example of resilience and reliance on digital services. Mm -hmm. What happens if that service is not available continuously? Then we've got an issue. Well, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, my first one is, um, you make mention in your presentation too, uh, or, or your, your talk, that we're not just looking at things, I'll use my example uh, of uh, payroll systems, but you're also uh, talking about things like um, fire and smoke detection, elevators, uh, HVAC systems, right? We're talking about all those kinds of things. It, it almost sounds like anything that would have some sort of a computer chip. Everything that contains silicon. Everything that contains silicon. And everything that is, is somehow driven by computers and, you know, I, I, I'm really challenging to, to think about what is not driven by computers any longer, right? I mean, you, you mentioned fire uh, detection systems, uh, HVAC systems, all those um, components or systems within companies, even in private residences are now connected to the internet. And, and that by itself poses obviously a risk, but also emphasizes that we are relying upon all kinds of service providers, digital service providers, in order for us to, to, to function. Uh, ju just imagine this, this um, HVAC system needs to be, I don't know, maintained on a regular base. And it's not changing oil and, and stuff like that, right? But it's really measuring whether the, the air pressure is there, whether the temperature is, is, is there. But you may deploy it into, in your buildings, but how many companies are now affecting you? So it's, it's first the installer, then the company that is maintaining the system, which is relying upon some kind of, um, 
I don't know, a network provider, whether this is, you know, Verizon, AT&T or, or name it, um, then there is some kind of a call center that is taking care of it. Then there is some kind of, so there is a whole chain of organizations, suppliers that provide at the end of the day, that entire service. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why I'm calling it digital supply chain. It's not just, you know, a supplier that HVAC manufacturer that who might be not able even actually providing that service of maintaining that might be done by a distributor that might be done by somebody else. But in order to do that, they need all kinds of connection points. And that's the entire digital supply chain. My other question is you mentioned uh, doing an analysis, you know, so I'm assuming a, some sort of a risk analysis. Now, traditionally business continuity people and even IT people, we're looking at you know, fires and floods and we're looking at pandemics and things that impact our people and all those, uh, you know, and the, uh, the rest of our supply chain. What if something breaks down, uh, you know, a ship in the Suez Canal type thing, you know? How do you go about doing assessment <coughs> on digital supply chains? The principle will be exactly the same. Okay. You, you will still ask what happens if, what are the probabilities, what are the impacts, and then you do some kind of magic calculation to come to some kind of risk prioritization. Um, you know, I, I, I always, use that example that is very extreme, but I hopefully, I think brings the point home. And this is, let's say you are downloading software, you know, whatever you, you, you wanna do, some kind of drawing program or some kind of whatever program. And you would go to, to well-known companies, apple.com, microsoft.com, oracle.com. Would you be, concerned using software from those organizations? Most likely not. But what what kind of risk would you entertain if you go to download.ru? I would be very nervous, honestly, because Mm. A, I don't know that domain. A, it doesn't sound reliable, not trustworthy and we've got a problem. And I think on a regular basis, organizations as well as individuals just simply see some fancy, good looking thing and install it, use it, and the rest is history. And that is not just for the end users, that is also unfortunately for a lot of developers because developers are under a lot of pressure getting things done fast, cheap, and so on and so forth. So instead of you know, coding themselves, they are using all kinds of code snippets. Mm. And they are quite complex. I mean, there are not a lot of people who are able to read, you know, 150,000 lines of code and understand it. But grabbing it, installing it, integrating it into your product can be done literally within a minute. But now you have 150,000 possibilities of issues. Mm-hmm. Oopsie doopsie. Um, and I think it, it really is, is about a time that people understand the implications of just, you know, using um, supplies 
from unknown and untrusted supply chains. You know, n- nobody would, would buy a screw or a nut because it's cheap without specifying what alloy to be used. Yeah. But in this in modern world, like you know, IoT and software development, we, we just it's cheap. Let's download it. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. It's easy. Kind of, you know, like when we buy a car, um, we're looking at all the, the, the gadgets and we do our homework, you know, we, we check tons of websites to find out how reliable this car is that we want. And then, as you say, developers, you know, hey, instead of me recreating these 50,000 lines, I know a program I can just take it from and copy, but you never know what's actually in there yes. and where it's coming from. And, and that leads to another issue because now I just simply downloaded something and integrated it into my system. Now I, I'm not tracking that I actually have done so. So that means I'm now having components in my, my system that are not showing up on my bill of material, or should I say in my software bill of material. So now I, now I don't know what's in my, my solution. And if God forbid, there is some kind of alert that tells me there is something wrong with those components. I wouldn't even recognize that as being affecting my, my solution because I, I don't know that I have it. Right. And th- th- that is another serious, serious issue because, uh, you know, those, those gadgets are so complex and relying upon all kinds of, of uh, components that are of unknown origin, not validated, and then subsequently not even listed as as a component. So the developers are really not able to fix it, even if they get an alert, because, well, they don't know that that alert affects them. And that's simply because a, a, a proper risk assessment was not done on where that either the, that code came from, or or the right processes around saying you're not allowed to go and get code. Period. The right. lack of governance. Yes, the, that was going to be my part. next comment. Yeah. It it it's you know many people obviously say well you know management systems are a burden are a bureaucracy kind of exercise. Well, if done wrong, that is that's a correct statement, but if done correctly they actually will help to establish defined processes that allow robust products. Is it slowing down? Not really. It may slow you down in the first phase because you need to get that approval. But then later on, once it's deployed, it will actually help you to accelerate because you don't need to search and hunt what was the issue because you have yeah. all the necessary details already handy and you've got your guiding path you know exactly. which way how, how to move forward exactly exactly on that note we've come to the end of our first segment today we're talking with willie fabricius on facing the future together with your business partners minimizing the impact of cyber attacks we'll be right back Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. 
Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Willie Fabricius, and we're talking about uh, minimizing the impact of cyber attacks. Willie, lots of information there in the first segment. Um, Let's move on to uh, talking a little bit more about some of these uh, products and services and devices. Um, I know I mentioned uh, the fire detection systems, but you talk about uh, other other items as well. Yes, uh, fire detection systems are, you know, obviously just an example. Uh, one could easily see that um, robots that are moving around um, may be deployed in the future in offices. So I'm not talking about those robots in a manufacturing environment that are more or less stationary and you know repeat a particular movement for assembling mm-hmm. something or welding something. This is old technology. But I'm really talking about you know roving robots, robots that are, I don't know, security guards or delivery robots or something. Oh, like in the Amazon warehouses where they have those carts that move on their own, you know. That, that, that's okay. also old technology, but now envision that being deployed in an office environment. Mm, okay. Um, or think about, um, you know, this, this uh, robot vacuums that some people have already in their homes. <laughs> One could argue that this, this are, you know, toys for geeks, maybe, but sooner or later that will be deployed in office environments. That will be part of every restaurant that will be part of every company. And that then begs once again, the question of safety and security. Safety falling over it is one thing, right? But who says that those devices do not have a microphone embedded and are constantly you know, transmitting the conversations that happen around them? You know, you, you are in, can easily envision sitting in a boardroom talking about some kind of acquisition and you know your your robot who moves around cleaning the, the floor while at the same time you know transmitting that confer- conversation to your advertisers and and this is the kind of thinking uh, I, I think organizations need to to have and that comes back to risk assessment impact analysis it's it's the same old thing right mm-hmm. but when, when I started uh, auditing information security, I was looking at those phones that everybody had on, on the boardroom tables and said, did you do an impact assessment here? And something like, Willie, it's a phone. And something like, no, it's not just a phone. It's actually a computer. 
because it's actually connected to your to your LAN. And who says that it's not being bugged? Who says that it's not being, you know, uh, uh, tapped into from the outside? And and from own personal experience, I can tell you I was once on a system where I should not have been, by pure accident. Um, and and that that can happen. Um, now, if that happens by accident, that's one thing. But if it's a targeted attempt, that's a different story. And I mm -hmm. think we, we just simply need to think about the impact of those new technologies uh, once they are being deployed within organizations, within companies. So are we talking, when you're talking about the phone, are you talking just the, the, uh, the, the cabling uh, and the network connections? Or are you talking that potentially the, the physical phones, the hardware type stuff is also, uh, you know, um, a risk every device in your environment is a potential risk um, if you really think about how how big or should i say small electronic devices are one can easily see that in an earpiece you may have instead of you know the cables i'm using right now you have an earpiece and that could potentially contain a Wi-Fi transmitter that is being able to, to transmit the conversation to the outside. And, and that is just an example. But I think very important coming back to that supply chain, digital supply chain discussion question is when we are deploying all kinds of you know, new features in our environment, think about text to speech, speech to text, solutions that we are embedding into our solutions. That means actually we are depending upon all kinds of suppliers to provide that. Because you and I, if we would deploy text-to-speech in our application, we would not develop that code. We would not develop that AI. That would come from whoever is developing it, who is then hosting it on some kind of cloud environment, blah, blah, blah. So that's an entire chain that we need to, to really um, assess. And that brings me to the very, very important component and concept of software bill of material. And I'm not really talking about software as in code, but really something like these intangible things as a bill of material. Very simple. If you don't have it, if you don't know that you have it, how can you manage it? It's, you know, you only can manage what you know you have. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that, you know, this device you have on your desk is there, how, how can you assess the impact? So how do you dig in deep then? I, I'm, I guess I'm struggling with trying to understand um, how you can actually perform a, a proper assessment on digital stuff using your examples there, you know, AI with different providers that provide all these different pieces. How do you go digging? Because it's one thing for, uh, you know, widgets and, you know, making cups or whatever, and to be able to say, okay, I know in my supply chain, it's made over there, it gets on a ship, it comes here, it gets put on a train, goes across the country, then it's on a truck, it's here. And you can look at that path, but with digital, I don't, maybe I'm just looking at it a little differently. It seems like it would be harder to yeah. try and, and trace that. 
for all sense and purposes, most likely you will not be able to do it. Mm. And that means that you really need to have assurance from your direct supplier that they are imposing a supply chain that is secure. So in other words, it's you trust your supplier because your supplier ensures you that they trust their supplier because they trust their supplier. So there needs to be a chain of trust. And if that is not there, if you, if you go to Zoom and ask them, Zoom, what kind of assurance can you give me that the platform we are using is, is safe and secure? And they tell you, trust me. Sorry, I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> but if they tell you, oh, interesting question. Here's our policy, here's our procedure, and here's the, the, the methodology. We ensure that our software vendors are reliable, that our network providers are reliable. Here's our methodology, and we are relying upon, I don't know, third-party assessments, certifications. Uh, now I can trust Zoom because they, they know how to trust their suppliers. So are we kind of doing a... Uh, an audit on on our suppliers? Jain. Jain is German for yeah and nine at the same time. Uh, audit has obviously a, a very defined meaning. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, I would not necessarily say yes, but maybe an assessment, maybe a review would be the better word. So I, I definitely would not just simply buy a product and deploy it. Absolutely, positively not. Uh, but I would say, okay, who is the supplier? I would evaluate whether that supplier has their, their act together and whether they know what is information security, what is reliability, what is impact analysis. And if, if that is looking good to me, I would not necessarily audit them. So I, I think- when Yeah, maybe audit was the wrong word. Audit might, you know, mean it takes weeks to get it done no no, no. Yeah. most likely a couple of hours yes but no don't go overboard because you have thousands of suppliers yeah but we would do uh we would want some sort of a written assurance that yes you know uh, yes. With, with repercussions too you know if you've given me this assurance and you know the opposite complete opposite happens uh then it's like well wait a minute we have to hold you accountable and, and, and that brings me to the point of, you know, you use or select your suppliers also on, on recognition. You know, if, if there is a, a relatively a tiny company that says, trust me, no, I'm sorry, my, my assessment, my audit will be a little bit more in depth than a big well-known company that has been in business for many, many years and has a solid uh, system in place, then I can rely upon that, that kind of evidence. Right. You also talked about um, uh, changes uh, to functionality after they've been put into the market. What were you talking about there? Um, when you look at, um, let's say, modern cars, I don't want to obviously mention specific brands, but let's say modern cars, um, those are nothing else than computers on wheels. And that means they are getting updated while they are sitting in the garage. Now this update of software is not just fixing bugs, 
it actually could lead to new features, which is pretty cool when you really think about that. But that also may have implications on uh, the approval of those products. So you can easily see that you have, uh, let's say, an, a software-defined radio, which is you know, a very sophisticated kind of electronic device that can be programmed to listen to a variety of frequencies. Well, you buy it, and the frequencies are in that range that is approved. And now an update comes, and all of a sudden that software-defined radio is working in a different spectrum, hmm. which may make that radio an illegal uh, component or an illegal device. And that may have repercussions to the users without knowing it. So let's say you buy a walkie-talkie. It's defined in a particular frequency that is approved by whatever authority the country you're working in, living in, right? Yeah. And sooner or later, that walkie-talkie is getting updated. And all of a sudden, it's able to listen to um, military frequencies or police frequencies. That would make that device illegal. So the question is, how do we ensure that these updates are not leading to legal issues because of the approval that is depending upon uh, adhering to certain requirements. And, and I think many organizations are not really thinking that through when they are deploying this kind of uh, solutions. Um, Would there also have to be strong um, change management protocols in place too? Would that be something else that we would be seeking from these digital suppliers that, you know, um, you're not just, you have a bug and you're just, you know, here it is done, send it out. No, you have to go through tests, make sure that the bug actually doesn't create other bugs. And not Fix just, other bugs. and not just, you know, from, an from a governance perspective, but also from a uh, review perspective, from a legal review perspective. Just because an engineer thinks that he or she can, you know, update a particular uh, module um, is, is a great idea. It, it really needs to go through the entire deployment process as if it would have been a new product. And so the change management process really needs to have a wider view. It's not just, okay, uh, do we have enough room? Uh, do we have enough space on the device? Enough, you know, storage capacity? Uh, but also, um, is that change potentially changing the, the capabilities of the device and subsequently maybe even making it, you know, not conforming to regulations? Yeah, you know, is the change even needed? You is know, the change look, needed? It might and, look nice and sound nice, but it doesn't mean it's actually needed. And it could be that a change is acceptable in Canada but not acceptable in Australia or not acceptable in Germany because of different legal implications. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden that, that poses another question because the manufacturer may not actually know where the product is actually located. Well, it's connected to the internet, it's connected to their network, right? But now you, you push that update to all of your cars globally 
thinking that this is a great idea. And yeah, in Canada, that's cool. And, you know, all of a sudden somebody in Australia says, hey, I got a ticket because whatever, right? Yeah. And that 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 is this that has implications on future product development and deployment and maintenance after they have been deployed. Oh, okay. On that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We're talking with Willie Fabricius today on facing the future together with your business partners, minimizing the impact of cyber attacks. And we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to preparing for the unexpected with alex fullen email your questions to info at stone-road.com again that's info at stone-road.com now back to preparing for the unexpected welcome back today we are talking with willie fabricius and uh, our topic today excuse me facing the future together with your business partners minimizing the impacts of cyber attacks Willie, in our last segment, I'm wondering if you could talk about um, some of the key components of uh, possible solutions to these challenges. I think the most important thing is actually proper inventory management. That sounds like old-fashioned stuff, you know, going going through a warehouse and counting the boxes. Yeah. Well, it's really not that. Inventory management, from my point of view, is really having a solid understanding what you have in your products, what kind of components you have. I mentioned earlier that software bill of material. And no, I'm not just talking about software per se. I'm also talking about the services that are being used, the, the API calls that your product may have and, and you know, go out and, and ask external services. So we really, really need to understand the entire ecosystem in which we operate. And that means we need to have a proper inventory of the assets we are using. And yes, there's the old fashioned risk assessment and impact analysis. No question about that, because if if you don't do a risk assessment, then you cannot do a, a business impact analysis and vice versa. And if you don't do these, then you cannot come up with contingency plans uh, because let's face it, things will happen. It's only a question of time. It's only a question of impact. And you better be prepared. Um, I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, the title of your show, but it's, it's really about knowing that sooner or later, there will be an outage. Sooner or later, there will be some kind of a bug. Sooner or later, there will be something that is affecting our products and services. And yes, we should have solid plans for that. Um, 
And yes, we, we do need to understand regulatory requirements because there might be uh, changes uh, down the line after the product has been deployed. And we need to be able to adjust the functionality of our products if that indeed happens. And yes, there is always- And understanding that what, what you mentioned in the previous segment, the, the uh, regulations may be different um, from region to region or country to country. Right? Yes, indeed. and and. They may change faster than in, in one country than in another. Uh, and, and just because, you know, you understood the regulations as of, let's say, January 2020, doesn't mean that those regulations are still in place in January 2023. Uh, but in the meantime, you have rolled out a couple of software updates uh, that fundamentally change the functionality of your, of your solution. And that brings me to, to something that is on a regular basis, un underestimated, and, and the importance is underestimated, and that's user awareness. So here I'm talking about the consumer of the product, the end user, but also our internal people. We need to train our people to fully, completely understand the implications of their actions. Oh, I push an update. No, no, just hold on, time out. What, what is that? update really all about and what kind of implications would it have that's user awareness is and it addressing anything you know? exactly 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 and then as, as i said earlier you know be prepared incident management we need to have solid processes to recover from situations incidences disasters whatever we may call that because the last thing you wanna have in case of an incident is assembling a team, thinking about what can we do? Mm -hmm. That's a waste of time that is really, really not necessary. You need to have prepared. Can you prepare for anything and everything? No, of course not. So, you, but this still means you need to have a plan. Um, and then, you know, as I said earlier in, in the introduction, I, I have 25 years plus background in management systems. So from my point of view, the solution to, to all these challenges we talked about earlier in the show is having a solid governance system. Solid governance systems are based on a regular basis on management systems around ISO standards. So whether this is ISO 22301, the, the BCMS management system, or whether this is you know, information security or whether this is ISO 20,000 uh, IT service provisioning, that's a different story. But fundamentally, the idea is to have some rock solid uh, foundation in place that allows an organization to do things on a repetitive, consistent, repeatable way. And that's the reason why management systems are so powerful. Um, and yes, last but not least, um, independent reviews. We were talking about earlier, so are you now asking me that I should audit my, all of my supply and the entire supply chain? No, of course not. not, not possible. Nobody can do that. Not even the biggest companies in the world can audit their entire supply chain. But it comes down to creating a network um, of um, independent reviews that then provide the necessary assurance and therefore trust that 
the supplier and therefore the supply base and supply chain mm -hmm. is indeed reliable. You, you brought up incident management. Um, are you talking incidents uh, that happen internally or are you talking uh, incidents that happen externally or both? Uh, see, all of the above. Um, so I, I think with, with regard to incidences, there, there is this understanding that we need to learn from incidences. Okay, learn from my own incidences. That's, that's easy. Of course, I need to have an incident management system for, a system for that. But I also think that we need to observe, monitor our environment for incidences because those incidences may also impact us indirectly or directly. And most importantly, they also can happen with us, within our organization. You know, if, if you are, let's say, a software provider, and for whatever reason you think that speech-to-text is an important feature, you implement that in, in your solution, and you recognize that one of your competitors has an issue with their speech-to-text component, no, you should not celebrate. <laughs> because there's a very high probability that you're using the exact same supplier. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's something like, well, my competitor has a problem. Maybe I have now also a problem, right? And, and that is the kind of thinking in terms of inventory management, incident management. All those things are coming together. Um, they, they must not be seen individually, but really as a holistic thing. And that brings me back to governance. That brings me back to ISO standards. Right. Well, we're running short on time. We've only got about four minutes uh, left. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on this digital supply chain? I, I think that the, the key thoughts that I hope the audience got out of this conversation is inventory management and a software bill of material, proper Inventory management is crucial so that I can know what components are embedded in my solution so that I can act accordingly. Um, organizations are also um, advised, as discussed earlier, to ensure that uh, updates that happen after the product has been deployed and is in the field are not um, putting the any approvals of that product at risk. And uh, it comes down to uh, updating on a regular basis your risk assessment and business impact analysis because things change, right? And saying, you know, I, I moved from that AI to that AI, that has significant implications potentially. On the surface, it might perform the same and deliver the same kind of results but maybe that AI is hosted in a particular data center environment and that is hosted in a totally different data center environment. And all of a sudden that, that change may have an impact. So update your risk assessment and business impact analysis on a regular basis. And obviously therefore your recovery plans. Um, and yes, I, I come back to my you know, mantra uh, review the mentioned ISO standards because they, they have a very solid base 
and, and provide a good uh, collection uh, and selection of concepts and ideas. Um, and at the end of the day, this will lead to, if, if you deploy those ISO standards and get certified, it will help with the uh, trust of assurance uh, that you can provide to your customers. You know, earlier we were talking about your supply chain. How can you ensure that your supply chain is robust and reliable? Trust and assurance by third-party assessments. Well, that's obviously also applicable to us. You know, we, we are not just relying upon our supply chain. There is somebody behind us, our clients, that also rely upon us. So we need to provide them with the with the trust and assurance that we do know what we are doing. And that means ultimately independent third-party assessments and certification to ISO standards. And, and a lot of those ISO standards, I, funny enough, I had this conversation uh, with someone, uh, with a colleague today, that a lot of them uh, kind of reference each other. So even yeah. if one doesn't answer everything, it's referencing another one that you can look at to help. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and, and you know, I, I won't just say ISO standards, but there, because there are other ones out there as well. Um, but they do tend to reference each other. And, you know, if you use a few of them, you can really help build that um, comprehensive uh, foundation, as, as you put it. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, um, whether you are using NIST or ISO frameworks, it comes down to the same kind of concept, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously, ISO uh, standards have the benefit that you actually can get your organization certified to them. Or should I say the management system can be certified to them. And that provides that assurance, which is, I think, absolutely crucial. You know, not just trust me, I'm a nice guy. No, no. <laughs> trust me Famous because I do have a solid system that has been verified by an independent third party, which is certified on this certificate, right? Yeah. Well, on that note, Willie, we've come to the end of your third episode. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and time again with us today. Um, listening to all of this with a digital focus was uh, interesting, you know, because a lot of times we're talking more about the traditional, like you mentioned at the very beginning, supply chain. So uh, uh, thinking a little bit, well, a lot differently and uh, deeper uh, was really interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And to everybody watching and listening. Stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.